The future of project management is changing fast. On Projectified with PMI, we'll help you stay ahead of the trends as we talk about what that means for the industry and for everyone involved. I'm Stephen W. May for Projectified with PMI. For an easy way to stay up to date on Projectified with PMI, go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and PMI.org slash podcast. In this episode, we discuss business transformation with transformation expert and head of Bain's Center of Expertise for co-creation, Kevin Murphy. Kevin defines transformation, describes what's different for leaders moving through it, and makes a case that project professionals do their best work when they attend to the physical, mental, and emotional space where co-creation can be achieved. I came to Washington, D.C. today to sit with Kevin Murphy, and behind Kevin is a a painting that says, keep your coins, I want change. I like that. I think we're talking to the right guy. Kevin, thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Stephen. Good to spend time with you. So I've had the opportunity to be familiar with your work from time to time. And of course, you and I have had the opportunity to talk about your work, what you're doing, what you've been doing. Give me just an idea of how you define transformation. What do you, when, when you're talking to an audience that's largely project managers and project professionals, what do they need to understand about what you mean when you use that term? Well, it's, it's really in the word, M. Stephen, you know, to transform, um, to change to something different. Um, for me, when you use the transformation word, you're implying that something significant is going to take place, that at the end of this journey, this process, um, that the organization will be different in market and significant ways to what it was when you started. There may be many reasons to embark on transformation, um, but in the end, you've got to look back and say, we've made a difference. Yeah, so so give me an example of not, I mean, don't name uh, anything specific, but but what types of projects tend to fall into this space? What are, what, what are we seeing right now? You work with a lot of some of the largest companies across, uh, across North America, across, across the world. What are the types of projects that we're seeing today that, that encapsulate this idea of real transformation? Yeah, I mean, transformation can come from a lot of, of different sources. Um, you know, top on the list today would have to be digital and the implications and impact that digital is having and the disruption of, of businesses. So looking forward and, you know, not seeing clearly um, or maybe perceiving a threat or even being in fear, you know, driving um, transformation. But it's also opportunity. Um, transformation could be driven by merger and acquisition. Um, so two organizations are going to come together to materially change the value that they collectively um, create. Um, so most sizable um, merger integrations um, have a transformation um, component or transformation um, feel um, to them. Um, transformation can be driven by just business circumstances. 
um, you know, the need to radically change the the upside on kind of revenue generation, or to take significant cost um, out of the business. Um, so many different sources, um, but all leading to that very significant change. I, I would say the other characteristics of transformations are that they tend to touch all aspects of the business. Um, so it's it's not fixing or improving or changing an area of business. It is touching um, all parts, front, back, um, you know, um, all, all around, which again contributes to that. It's when you look back at the end, it's different. What's different for people that are doing project work when they start to move into something that is either driving or part of a significant transformation in the business they're part of? And let me start with the, you know, how common is transformational? Um, most companies do not go through many transformations in their their history. They're, they're, they're big, draining things. So um, it's, it's not something you undertake on a whim. There's got to be a fairly strong, you know, case for change and to dive um, into it. Um, they're, they're, they're not, they're marathons, not sprints. Um, so when you're talking about transforming an organization, it's measured in years, not weeks. Um, and because of that, um, most executives, most business people, and most project and professionals probably don't get an exposure to many of them in their careers. In fact, the, those who have successfully led and guided and contributed to transformation um, are in strong demand um, because it's just not many people who can put one, let alone two or three of those um, on their resume. Um, and that's, it, it, so I said, to, to have that is a great value on the resume, but it's also a tremendous experience for the individual. Um, the learning that takes place during transformation is, um, you know, substantial. Um, so it, it's just, you know, if, if you have the opportunity, it is great to get involved. Um, and not only will the organization be changed, but you get changed by the process as well, by the experience. So I hear you talking about this idea that really most project managers, most project professionals, most business professionals will not have the opportunity to experience very many transformation-level changes across their career, particularly in a single company. But it raises a question for me, which is, okay, well, if I seek out an opportunity within my company or maybe I'm early in my career and I have the opportunity to, to direct my work toward, toward a company that I know will be experiencing transformation because I want that experience – Will I be able to apply that in less than transformational changes? In other words, does that scale down as well? Or am I now at a place where I say, well, I've learned something about transformation. All I can do is run around trying to find transformations to, to be a part of. Yeah, if the latter were true, it would be sad because you'd probably have a very frustrating experience. The, um, but but, but that, that, that's why I mentioned that the... The the, being part of a transformation changes you as well as the 
um, as a company because I th- believe uh, very strongly that it makes you a better all-round leader, business person, um, contributor um, to the organization that um, that you're in. The, the other side of transformation is um, you know successfully done you know, it, it creates a powerful business entity on the on the other side. And um, I don't see many people who, having gone through the transformational experience, are looking to go somewhere else to create another transformational experience. What I see is them getting excitement and energy from the new business that they've created and they want to apply what they've learned in more and in deeper ways and you know, to keep that happening. That's fantastic. So rather than, uh, well, I've learned some new things, I've had new experiences, let me rush out and try to find that again. What I hear you saying is that you actually find yourself more committed to the thing you've helped create. Absolutely. And if you've been part of the core team in, in driving this. You, you now have those relationships um, across the organization um, as well. Um, so there's a, there's a real kind of bonding that takes place um, you know, in, in the process, and you, know, you just want more. Yeah. So it's been said a lot of different ways that uh, you know, where, there's, where there's great risk, there's great reward. So is that true here too? You know, if if I have the opportunity to seek out to uh, either get myself assigned to request to become a part of something where I really do believe that at its nature it's has it either is or has the potential to be transformational for the business. Is there risk in that for me as a project professional? Uh, unfortunately, huge. Um, there's huge risk in the transformation. Um, you know, they are the most challenging of usually situations and opportunities um, to, you know, to, to address. We did a piece of, of research a few years ago. We talked to 300-plus um, companies that had gone through transformational um, scale of, of change. And we asked them, we asked them a number of questions, but one of the key questions was, did you achieve what you set out to achieve? What was the value up front you said you wanted to generate? What was the result, the outcome, the realization, and did you deliver on that? Um, and the, the answers are pretty sobering um, because the number of companies that either delivered on or exceeded that promise was 12%. Um, so very small. That's uh, depressing. Uh, it's, it's, it's sobering. Um, no, I think it's depressing. I think, sure, I'll, I'll take sobering, but if I think about 12%, are achieving what they've set out to achieve, and that and I, don't let me put words in your mouth. Is that fair to say they didn't achieve what they set out to uh, achieve? Ab- so, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So, but, but that, there's you, something about that 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 bothers me a lot. Let me give you two other numbers. Sure. Um, so, of those that weren't in the twelve percent, and thirty-eight percent delivered less than fifty percent of the value that they promised up front. 
Now, we look at those 38%, and we believe there was probably something flawed in what they set out to do or how they set out to do it. And, you know, most likely it was the wrong change, um, you know, if you're hitting, you know, that low M on delivery. The interesting number for us is the number that remains because it's 50%. Um, they got at least 50% um, of the value, but they didn't deliver um, the full value um, that was out there. And by our definition, when we looked at them, um, achieving the value was within their grasp. They just didn't play the game at the level that was necessary um, to succeed. And, and we labeled it mediocre. And they settled for mediocrity. Um, and you know, as I said, transformation is not easy. You have to be, as a leadership team, as a, an organization, as a company, you have to be pretty dedicated um, to, to, to take it on and to deliver um, against it. And what we're saying is half the people who get into this um, do not have that level of commitment, energy, you know, whatever label you put on it um, to make it happen. And, and you know, the one, I, the one I think it isn't is it's not ability. I believe the ability and the skills are available. It's the attitude. It is the um, resolve to do whatever it takes um, to get you there um, that's, that's missing. Um, and it really, you know, in terms of the, the, the role and the people we're talking about, it's, it's the willingness to up your game. Yeah. Um, am I going to do what I've done before and that's worked on, you know, the average incremental project? Or am I going to step into this and really up my game to deliver? Yeah. So if I take that as given, so you've said you think it's you think it's more about willingness, not as much about ability. So am I willing to step in? Am I willing to take some chances? Am I willing to perform in ways I haven't before? Again, don't let me put words in your mouth. Is that up and down the chain? So again, if we we've started out talking about the idea of transformational initiatives, by definition, I'm going to assume you're you're looking at the, the top end of the business in terms of senior executives directly involved, down through wherever that might wherever that might go. Where's the problem? You know, if we say, well the skills there, because I hear you saying you don't need superhero skills to to be involved in or to lead these kinds of initiatives, but you've got to be really willing to do what it takes. Where's the problem? So let me just be clear, you got to bring a good game and you got to be able to bring um, your best game. So it's not like you pick anybody off the street and they can go, you, you need good um, people. Um, but the, you know, the, the, the energy and the, you know, kind of doing what it takes is, uh, it can be a challenge at all levels, but but fixing um, it uh, or ensuring that it's in place is a top-down. It is the, you know, the, the leadership um, team um, and the alignment of that team and the, the commitment of that team um, that's, that, that's critical. Um, you know, he, he, here at Bain, I, I run a center of excellence in what we call co-creation. And it is, you know, 
how we get individuals and groups of people working together in you know a constructive way where the sum is greater than the or the total is greater than the sum of the parts um, and you know they truly outstrip even what they expect um, of themselves and it's creating the environment and the interactions where where that is possible and um, I spent a lot of time working with senior teams and large groups of leaders in organizations, you know, trying to get them um, to that place. And one of the most frequent comments I hear after we, we run some of these sessions with um, senior teams is somebody around the table says, we never talk to one another like this. You know, today has been such a different experience for us. You say, well, what was different about it? We talked to each other. You know, we didn't come in with our own agendas and our own, you know, list of topics and, you know, f- you know focus on a, a very fixed and limited um, set of things. We actually stepped back from the business as it is today, and we engaged um, each other. Um, and I'm, I shouldn't be surprised that, you know, because I've heard it so many times, but it still catches me, catches my attention every time I hear somebody saying it. And it's a great challenge to run a business, um, you know, particularly a large um, enterprise. And, you know, the conversation tends to get siloed um, and pulling people out of that. I mean, and that's the beginning. We, we, we usually start... Um, very deliberately and explicitly with the senior team and getting them to have the conversations they need need to to be in it together. Yeah. So, so what's missing? So, we know that you know it varies from company to company, but we know that in a lot of companies, uh, senior people do have access to each other. Um, not only do they have access to each other one on one, but they often. Not everywhere, but in a lot of places, they often have opportunities to be in the room together, to be on conference calls together. Um, so what's different? What's missing? What I'm thinking about is, you know, if I'm a project professional today and I have the opportunity to influence how we move forward in some of these either projects that are part of something transformational or even to be in the, in the heart of the transformational initiatives – what is the thing that I'm that I'm trying to create across those executives that they're not getting today? Like, why are they coming through the kind of sessions you would talk about and say, we're having a different conversation or we'd never talk like this or we never talk about these issues? Why is that? What's missing in the interactions? You know, where, where's the trick to, to put a terrible word on it that uh, a project manager, project professional, someone in a PMO, uh, today, if they can influence it, what can they insert into that environment to help executives start to have those conversations? So I'm going to butcher a quote from um, D. Hawk. Um, D. Hawk was the founder, inventor, CEO of Visa International. Basically, the guy who invented the credit card system that we all use and today. Um, fantastic leader, and um, one of the things he said, um, and I won't get his words exact, but he said, you know, 
you know, it, it is the future that should ha- have our attention and, you know, kind of consume kind of the best of us. But it seldom does in the kind of stresses and, and, and strains of daily life. Um, you know, we, as I said, it is a lot of work to run a business day by day. And without some external influence, most leadership does that. And they do it successfully. I mean, it's part of what got them in the position and they're in today. Um, and and the, the need is to get them out of that, to create the space for them to have the conversation. Um, can, you know, not often easy inside an organization and several levels down to create that. But but you don't have you don't have to start with the leadership. You can start by creating these opportunities among you know managers and VPs lower in the organization to build the reputation and the experience. And in doing so, um, you know, I mentioned you know creating the space for it. I I think of it as three spaces um, that you you got to pay attention to. This physical space. There's mental space, and there's emotional space. And, you know, physical space is, you know, when I do this, I like to get people out of the day-to-day environment. Um, Not our usual conference room or wherever meeting room or boardroom that we sit down to talk in, because that has associations with the conversations that we always have there. If I want to get you to have a different conversation— I actually like to put you in a different space just so the, the space supports you in kind of generating a different um, dialogue. could be somebody's home. It could be a space that you rent, um, preferably not a ballroom at a hotel at the airport, my least favorite places to have these conversations. <laughs> Um, but we today just, there are a lot. We just lost all of our uh, hotel ballroom sponsors. I think <laughs> in the uh, yeah, actually in t- today's um, um, kind of mobile worker um, I- environment, there are actually a lot of great spaces that you can go online. I, I use pe- Peer Space, um, for instance, to just find locations to have um, these meetings. The second I said is 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 mental space, and that's creating the um, environment for people to have the dialogues that they need to have. And I say everybody comes to these meetings from the to-do list and the problem list and the challenges um, that they were just facing. So it's you know kind of creating an environment to separate them from that. Um, you know, we do these inclusion exercises, um, which are about warming people up for the conversation they're going to have, but it's also about trying to separate them from the, the problems of, um, that, that they all brought into the, um, into the room. And um, again, many ways um, you can do it, but it's kind of setting people up um, for the right um, conversation. And the third one, as I said, is is emotional space. Um, you know, if these people are mid or senior managers in you know a s- substantial organization, 
as I said, they're, there's a lot on their plates and a lot kind of in their heads um, when they you know, kind of come um, to the table. Uh, but not only that, there was a, you know, a ton of work going forward for the next, you know, three, six months to the end of the year um, that's already um, kind of occupying their time, and they haven't even encountered it um, yet. So part of what, you know, you're trying to do in that time, you know, with the team is is to generate some new energy and enthusiasm and opportunity. You want to get them excited and committed um, to something. And I talked about these three things as, as spaces, and, and the reason I think of them that way is what I've experienced over the years is if you get a good group of people into the right space, having the right conversation and together, it's kind of sit back and let them go. For an easy way to stay up to date on Projectified with PMI, go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and PMI.org slash podcasts.